So, I'm officially a top 75th percentile of earners in my state. So, yes, I did get the job. Woohoo! I don't know if jobs really want you to talk about the job, even if you're happy you got the job. But I guess I'm a high earner now, even though uh, my car would say otherwise. Um, <laughs> and then once they take money from my 401k, which seems like a, not a scam, but a 401k is like, oh, I took this extra pay just to, for you guys to keep me down. Um, <laughs> but no, you know you have a real job when there's actually a savings attached to it because they're like, you know. People are really useless to take care of themselves, so we'll just make sure we don't have you living on the street when you're 73, um, when this job breaks your back, and you'll pussy and you'll crack. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know what? I looked it up. Before, I was the dead average of income, and now, just just in a matter of a week, I am up there with the big dogs. You know, I have the type of income where, you know, you go to family gatherings and they're like, oh, you know, you still, you know, do X, Y, and Z, you know, trying to make it out there. You're like, make it out there, bitch. I've made it and then some. I could buy your house right now. They're like, no, you can't. You're like, I mean, I could file a credit line on it. Um, <laughs> uh, But you know what? They say money changes people. And, you know, um. Because literally, when you make more money, you got to get a haircut. You got to look decent. You can't wear hats. You know, you can't go to work showing off your nice titties. Well, at least not as a guy. Um, <laughs> please keep showing. Give us the love. Um, <laughs> give me some sugar. Because um, <laughs> I promise she will be loved. But no, you know what? It's actually, I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, just to spoil the number, twenty three fifty an hour. Now look, could I raise two kids? No. Could I raise a kid, you know, partly neglectfully and have to go bare bones in the essentials and we never spend time to go do anything fun on what I make? Of course we could. You know, you just got to treat them like a pet. Um, <laughs> you just eat what I eat, you know? Because baby food is way out of this world. It's way too expensive. That whole Gerber life, life insurance plan, like, oh, 50 cents a day to have a Gerber baby plan. It's like, or I could save that 50 cents and feed my kid today. But I don't know. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, actually, I decided to switch it up for today's show. Instead of drinking a coffee, I decided to switch it out for some prime. You're welcome, Logan Paul, for the more prime advertisement, you know? And uh, like uh, your press conference, someone should have thrown a microphone in my head a long time ago so I would have uh, to stop doing this show. Maybe you should have threw just your prime can at you. That would have been great advertisement, you know? See how these high school athletes recover from the lack of hydration in it. But I got to admit, when I when I went to the vitamin shop and got these, they had to like the only reason why I have them 
is they had them on sale for a dollar each, which I'm like, eh, that's totally not a good sign. Um, I feel like these things would typically be overpriced at like two something, if I had to guess. It's the energy soda version. And, you know, there's no sugar. It's vegan. That's a weird thing to advertise. 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is actually pretty high, got to admit. And the dude over the counter is like, bro, like, I had this shit. It does nothing to I feel no energy. I'm not crashed because there's no sugar, but it did nothing. I got to admit, man, this shit's kind of, whew, it gives you a little jolt, that blue raz. Um, but yeah, you see what happens when you start making more money? You just start buying shit, you know? Look at me talking like I've made it. I haven't gotten a check from this amount of pay yet. I haven't even started the training yet. I guess you could say I'm like Colorado football. I'm primetime, baby. Alright. And yeah. But yeah, welcome to episode 228. The perfect five minute intro. Welcome to episode 228 of the Off and Beat Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host. Clint Nelson, all out there, still redundant, don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell, most important ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties, uh, and record, recording this on Friday, October 13th, to I would not tell you the day, well, actually I took it would, but it's Friday the 13th, watch out. There's no lake nearby, so I don't have to worry about Jason. But uh, hopefully uh, when you guys come to one of my meet and greets, you guys will be adjacent to greatness. Because, you know, I like to give that manifesting vibes. I like it when people are around me, they feel good. You know, they feel like, man, if he can do it, anyone can do it. Which is kind of like a backhanded compliment. Like, hey, you know what? If this man persevered. He had no natural talent. He had no nothing going for him. And he fucking did it. What's your excuse? And you're just like, oh, well, just fuck me, I guess. I only grinded out of this for years, learning the craft and becoming bearable to, you know, develop into the man I was sought out into this world to be. And just for you to be like, there was no hope for this man. And he made something out of himself. And you're just like, thanks. Hear that, kids? Even if you're meant to do nothing in this world, you can be just like me. Alright, that's some inspiration right there. But yeah, recording this at uh, <coughs> ooh, 5.19 a.m. Eastern. Not, people always say specific, but it's Pacific. Um, but yeah, as you can tell with the intro... That's why I'm wearing the white sweater, you know. I got, you know, you got to dress for the part you want. You got to start looking the part, even though I can't wear hats. But you know, I'm getting there. Gotta get a haircut. Gotta do something with this hair. I got garlic knots literally just hanging in the back of my head. My girl actually calls it a bird's nest. It don't really bother me. I actually don't think from behind. Pause. It actually looks all that tangled up. Still, pretty big pause. Um, <laughs> Uh, like Jada, you would not want to be entangled anywhere behind or nearby. Because damn, apparently they've been separated since 2016, her and Will. It's like, well, if you were separated, the way that man was crying on your show. 
Um, I, th- I think only one of you try to keep your offspring separated. Uh, see, see what I did there? It's a rock group. Um, <laughs> and uh, if that was the case, why would you guys go to awards together and have them do that? If you were, quote unquote, separated since 2016. Because you know what? If you were truly separated since 2016... When all the previous drama happened with August a few years ago, your red table talk, then you would have just said you guys have been separated and still are. But you guys said you got back together after all that, fine, whatever. But you're still like, oh no, we're still separated. It's like, oh, all right. But let me tell you who should really be separated. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, this is how you know your Google and your YouTube is um listening to what you're talking about. Because one, I have my Google calendar tell me your birthday's coming up. It's like, I literally have never talked about my birthday to you guys. But I guess with your account information, they do the math with all the information in your laptop. Your birthday came up somewhere. Um, <laughs> But I was made aware about this odd video out there. You know, I don't want to be a gossiper. I don't want to be a weirdo. Because I did not search this out. Because I thought when I was told this, I'm like, you know what? Not everything you hear needs to be confirmed. If this is true or not true, I will let other people talk about it. I will let other people. And I'm like, you know what? This is one of those that like, if it's true, I feel like this would be worldwide. TMZ, gossip news. This would be like mainstay on the internet. But... The argument could be made when you're on these people's levels. There's very legal ways to suppress videos or to pay for videos to be taken off the internet. Which, I think what we realize is, at this point in time, the second something's on the internet, people have already downloaded, people have already saved the, you know, the encryption. Like, it's really, you know, once you put it out there, it's out there. You could delete whatever the fuck you want. If people want certain things saved... It will be saved. Um, so there's this weird, weird video of Odell Zesty Beckham, um, <laughs> Trey. I barely do legal stuff in the bedroom songs, and Justin. He has found this purpose Bieber. Um, <laughs> he said, "What do you mean, Odell?" And uh, I guess he went down to tie his shoes, and someone was randomly recording. It looked like in the video. Now, the video does not show the acts being. It is very loose interpretation of the angle. There's like, you don't see anything, but based off how he comes up, no pun intended, Bieber, from the position he's in, the way people are, people look confused, like why this dude's recording in this area. And it seems like in these type, if you're on that celebrity, even if this is some industry party where these activities would be kind of normalized, or it would be um, normal to see these out in the open, I would think when you're on that level, you could probably just be like, hey, if we're going to do something, we can just wait till after. Um... But Bieber probably looked like during, I don't know, I would say probably he was maybe 19 
in the video. I, I don't know. It's like that time of frame where he's kind of going off the wall before he found his purpose. Um, before he found God again, before he found the Hillsong church pastor who gave him guidance and faith in life and taught him how to be a faithful man as now he's out making documentaries defending the fact of, oh, it's the church's fault why I was this way. He's putting all the onus on the church. It's like the church has nothing to do with the fact of. You went out of your way to meet a woman at this park in New York City. And she looked nothing like your wife. And she was definitely a type that the church would not approve. And you kind of like that. But you know what? Um, but yeah, apparently the video was very sus, as the kids say. And I actually came across on YouTube. It's actually not that hard to find. You just type in Justin Bieber, Trey Songs. And then you'll get a song they did nine years ago. And then in a couple shorts, you'll see some descriptions like, what is going on here? Or will be some, what, whoa, what just happened? And you click on it. And you're like, oh, the video is very real. So, yeah. You know, I'm not surprised, per se, um, of Odell being in the video. Not even Trey Songs. A little surprised about the Biebs. Um, it's a little disappointing. Because uh, I guess he does like to get his peaches not just in Georgia. <sighs> All right, Clint. And on that note, that was episode. Um, <laughs> all right. You know what? Go search it yourself. Make your own algorithm fucked up. Um, <laughs> but you know, that that's the thing, right? Like, in that situation, you're obviously in a private setting. In a club or you are in a venue. Where what's going on is... Obviously, the theme. So, why is someone recording? Is that someone randomly recording? And they saw the video and they didn't like take his fucking phone away. Like, you're telling me they're participating in something they wouldn't want the world to know? Those three dudes have the power to just snatch their fucking phone, security to take that person's fucking phone and just smash that shit. And you're telling me they didn't? I think, maybe, you know, maybe it's like a prank video. Maybe it's like some skit. But, um, I don't know. Maybe they were drugged out of their mind. Maybe they were just out of their mind. Maybe they were already ritualized. I don't know, you know. I'm not an expert on that stuff. But, uh, all I say is Odell hasn't caught things the same ever since. He made that one-handed catch, and it seems like ever since, he's been making one-handed besties around his crotch. So, DJ Khaled. Um, <laughs> but any woo-woo, moving on. I'm on the way up.
But you know what? That's the thing, right? When you make that type of money as a man in that percentage now, obviously when I say that, you guys know I'm not being serious. I literally used to... I remember I had this one episode way, way back yonder. It was called Broke Boy Talking Time and Value. Well, I got time today, and I'm a high-value man. Um, <laughs> uh, that just goes to show you how low the standards are, is the fact that I'm out here in the top 75th percentile of earners. And yet, if you saw my recording setup, if you saw my vehicle, if you saw my lack of shitty Wi-Fi to the point where I don't even own my own router. And that's why it takes five hours of fucking transfer this shit. Um, <laughs> and you're like, you know what? He's doing good out here. And then you look where I live. You're like, nah, I actually... It's a struggle fest. So this goes to show you that, you know, back in the day, you can make the average and live a very comfortable, okay, not worry every week about what you have and what you don't have type of life. Now you have to make an above average just to be below average of what old standards used to be like if there's there's a median there's a bell curve but there's an accepted median of a way of living and what you typically have to do to sustain that median living is median stuff now to maintain a median living you have to live you have to make an above average if you want to live an above average you have to make an exorbitant amount more than above average. Like everything's a level up of what you actually do just to live a standard low. Because of the way we have everything set up from debts, payments. Everything is set up and everything is not accidental. The rent where you live is in relation to what the average of what people get paid. Everything adjusts to where you live. All right. And so it's wages are very dependent on what they can get away with paying someone to get by. Car payments are very designed to make people believe they can afford X amount a month in their budget. And we'll just hide it. Like people always want to hear, oh, I have 70 months to pay this off. But it's the consecutive 70 months that it becomes wired into you that's normal. But the payments are designed to make it be low enough where you don't question how much you hate your existence every month. But high enough where you can't afford just to pay it off. Because what's the point of financing a vehicle to someone that they know could pay it off in five months? They get nothing. They literally make no money off of it. These finance companies make it off interest. They don't make out that. Like the company that sold you the car gets the money. The financing, they're relying that you don't pay your shit. They're relying that you miss payments. They are relying you pay the minimum every month and don't pay attention to the annual interest you pay every year. That's what they're relying on. That's where the money's at. And all this extra money that you quote unquote make off your good living is just hidden as you're giving back in these avenues. 
And that's why even when you make a little bit more, people are still typically stuck in a similar, if sometimes worse situation because they think they make more than they can actually afford. To me, the more money I make, I actually want to do less. Like as weird as that sounds, because the more money you're like, you start you start paying attention to like, you know, why, you know, I fucking hate spending all this extra money, all this extra time I spent. I hate it. When you make so little, you almost have kind of given up on the fact that there's hope. So you're saying, fuck it. It doesn't matter if I save a couple extra hundred bucks or spend an extra couple. It doesn't make a goddamn difference. But when you make enough where you can think about this shit, it makes you want to do less. See? Now there's your real financial advisor. Uh, like Shark Tale. I think it was a crab. He told uh, he told Lenny the dolphin. Or he told Oscar the fish. Will Smith, actually. Hmm. I'm your financial advisor. Um, I would be a great financial advisor. I'm the, I think my best skill set is giving people advice and things I am not qualified by any certificate or degree. I think that's honestly my best skill set. Because I think sometimes when you have certificates, you develop an ego that you stop learning, right? Like you get a certificate, like these personal trainers, they're these certificate holders. Oh, I got this online certificate that I did for four months where I took some nutritional quizzes and learned some optimal functional exercises of how to train an obese person of how to lose weight. And it's all about the diet. And then you see how they train and they just never work out their hip abductors. (laughs) Trainers always skip the hips, which is why their paycheck... uh, Takes a couple dips, and they can never do a dip. But, uh, and, you know, that's the thing, right? People that have certificates or degrees and stuff, like, yes, you know what? It's nice. It will help you learn, get jobs, and shit like that. All right. But, there are people. Who will give you better financial advice who have never taken a finance class. Because there's life experience with financial situations that you actually learn from. And not just look from paper. Because there's different seeing things of how to do stuff financially. And you experience things firsthand of how that shit made you feel. Of how that shit affected your personal life. When you made certain bad financial decisions or when things happened and you weren't financially prepared for it. That's where the real experience of financial advice, a financial advisor is really like these financial advisors at these banks. They're really just kind of like doctors with a, cause I was listening to some earlier about the Oxycontin epidemic. These Oxycontin, I think I forgot the family. It's it's like the soccer family, the socket, S-A-C-H something. I don't know. But there's apparently a docudrama out there about the Oxycontin uh, epidemic where being over-described, and it's basically a heroin and a pill, as they describe. But a lot of these Oxycontin 
like the Oxycontin uh, company, the distributors, you know, look, we all know they all have these deals with these medical hospitals. You know that most medical hospitals are independently owned. They aren't just like these big government assisted shit. There are government hospitals, but, you know, they're going to have employees there that you know, might put an infected needle in you and don't even know it. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to get what you pay for, you know. So, but they have these deals with these hospitals. Like, hey, the more you, more milligrams. Like, that was a thing. With specifically Oxycontin, doctors at these private practices, the more they push the higher dosage of milligrams, the more compensation of, like, kind of, what is it called? Uh, not bonus, but not incentive, but they basically got a higher percentage, let's just say. And shit, I forgot what I was comparing it to. But essentially, yeah, they get these higher percentage based off how much they're pushing. So, oh, yeah. So like these banks, these financial banks that will push credit cards, they will push loans, they will push higher, you know, longer terms of deals for, you know, so you have more time to pay it off, but it's just more interest attached. Like, whatever they are pushing you, just know there's a fucking reason, and it's not because they give a shit about you being financially free six years faster. They don't make money that way. Um, It's not because they're pushing medicines to you because it actually is going to make you help they know the side effects of this shit but they gotta you know people gotta make money out here and to be honest if you're a private doctor if you're a doctor and you have three hundred thousand dollars of debt to pay off and you realize like man you know it's getting kind of you know i'm not gonna pay this shit off in time i'm gonna be Stuck with this debt till I'm 65 years old, working 14 hour days, seven days a week, just to feel like I did the right thing. Or, you know, you can take a couple extra grand every week, five extra grand a week, by pushing certain drugs to people that quote unquote may or may not really need it. So, I don't know. I found that interesting. So yeah, any woo woo, um, <laughs> oh, but as we all gotta do, we gotta do the Drake update, um, <laughs> here's, you know, I gotta admit, the album is growing on me, I don't know what, you know, I'm not, it's still not one of the better Drake albums. But there's more about it I like than the first time. And, you know, I admit, I'm very biased. I'm cool and cool what they would call Drake Stan. But I'm not like, I will acknowledge when Drake makes some what the fuck type of shit. Or when it's just like, eh. But I will give Drake the benefit of doubt on a lot of things. And I gotta admit, listen to the album more in different settings, and actually when you're fully awake, and you don't have this heavy anticipation, you're just relaxed and listening, you actually listen, there's more lyrics that I like, there's more songs that I actually feel like 
aren't just meh, like they're actually okay. Like these, you know, this is something I could listen to regularly. There's more of that. There's still a lot of weak spots in the album, though. Like there's certain type of music on the album I just don't like connect with. I don't connect with the Yeet. Uh, I said the Yeet. It's just Yeet. Um, yeah, and you know, there's like a few other songs. It's just like, uh, you know, there's no time and place I'm going to give a shit about this. But, you know, I think there's a lot better than it's being cracked out. I think it's... But I will say this. Like, Certified Lover Boy. I'm not saying it's a classic. And I was very eh about that album when it came out. I thought I was like, okay, this is pretty good. I did a whole album breakdown track by track favorite parts of it, least favorite parts of it, gave it a rating for every song, so, but, that song actually has, like, for what the album is named in the theme, yeah, there's a couple songs that don't really make sense on the album, but, overall, I think the album ages really well, and I think that's the beauty with an artist like Drake that we may not realize in real time. Like, the album, honestly, never mind. Everyone kind of shitted on at first. It's a house album, you know. But there's a lot of songs on there that are actually pretty... When the album first came out, people were mad because it wasn't a rap album. Whatever. But when the album first came out, like, people were just like, this is just... Eh. But that has aged well. And I think that's the thing with Drake. Drake has the ability. I think. Now I think I kind of understand. Why artists take a while. To drop. Like I think they can make these songs in like a day. Like honestly. I think a lot of for all these dog songs. I'm pretty sure he probably. Wrote like the opening verse in a day. And then just. Fine tuned a lot of the songs over time. And I don't really think it took it takes him at his level a whole lot of time to really make these songs. Because I feel like he's got formula. He's got, he knows what works when he gets in the studio, when he gets inspired. Like, he has a system that works. He's too, like, as they say, he's too big to fail. Um, But, as I was saying, shit. Oh. He, um, I think the reason why it takes forever for artists to drop is because I think they make songs and they let it sit and they listen and listen and listen to it for months and months. They have people close by listen to it and stuff to see like, you know, I know this sounds good now. Is this going to sound good? Is this, does this have replay value? Is this catchy? Does this have memorable shit to it that people are going to come back to? And I think that's the kind of power of it. It's a different, like, it may be different from, like, he doesn't have those, like, first initial listen songs. Like, the Take Care Nothing Was The Same, where you listen to the opening and you listen to the song the first time through. You're like, holy shit, this is a classic. He has some songs in recent history that have that feeling, like, holy shit, this is, like, okay. Like this is this is the one, as the kids say. But I think he knows like he puts songs like these artists on this level, they put songs that they know you may not love it the first time you hear it, but 
when you break down the song and you listen some more, you notice every intricacy. There's certain things that stick out. There's certain things you like more. You catch up a lot of things, which makes you appreciate the song more, which keeps in your head and makes you want to keep listening to it over time. And it becomes a regular part of something you listen to. And I think that's probably why Drake has one of the most expansive, the most hits, one of the most hits of all time, the most expensive catalog, is because of that trait. And I think I'm starting to, you know, you start li- and you got to think about other artists you like. There's two types of approach, right? One of my favorite artists, Sam Hunt. He dropped his first album, well, first full studio album in 2014. He had a mixtape in between, but he actually, a lot of those songs were before his first album, and then it officially came out a year later, but a lot of those songs were already made before that first album. He didn't come out with his second album until 2020, and that was three years ago. So that means in the period of nine years, almost ten years, of being an artist, being one of the biggest artists in his field, regardless of whether you like his music or not. He has a total of, I think, on those two albums, like 24 to 25 songs in total. Drake had 23 in the last album. He's had probably at least two to 300 recorded songs out there. Maybe even more, to be honest. We don't know. You had all of his albums together, his features, singles, mixtape days. like. And also, look, hip-hop and rap is just a different thing. A lot of it is computer-made instrument. I mean, not just computer-made, but you can make instrumentals just with the technology and these pro tools and these softwares. Like, you can make instrumentals without recording a single instrument. But, you know, look, obviously the real good producers make a real, they use real music to add in the things and stuff. But it's different than, like, doing you know, instrumental music where you're making the music on the instrument to make it into a song, typically. That's typically how it goes. But not near here, no, there's two different approaches to making music stick. There's the less is more, which is like the Sam Hunt route, where it's almost like he's such a perfectionist, and a lot of artists, like, they're such perfectionists, like, that they will work on hundreds and hundreds of songs for years. Write us work on a song for a long period of time, and then scrap it, and then start over. Like, and you're like, I waited three years for nine new songs, and you put three of these out as singles. And it's like, but you know, most time they're pretty well put together. Then there's a Drake approach where. Be honest, I don't know with his new music how much time he's really putting into every single track. It doesn't feel like he's putting infinite amount of time into every single track, like maybe his earlier days. Or maybe his earlier days, it's he everything just came much more faster because of his hunger. But you get to such a level, you, he kind of probably feels like, I could put whatever out there, and people are going to fucking like it. So why would I spend exorbitant hours when I got shit to do? Like, I'm a dad now, you know? Um, (laughs) But it's like, so for 10 years, I have approximately, from one artist, like 35 recorded songs when you count their acoustic songs and stuff. 
and one artist has like two to three hundred in that same period of time. And they're both very successful in their own genres. Now, one's the biggest artist in the world. One's just one of the biggest in the genres. So we're talking about two different popularity situations here. But, you know, there's just such a drastic way of, like, I didn't, like, I think it was a show in our musical taste. We typically like a variety for a reason. We need different things to fulfill different needs. So, I don't know. Uh, I should probably start approaching that, you know, making less videos, but, you know, editing and shit. But I'm like, nah, I would just like to put an exorbitant amount out there and just ignore having to live with my thoughts and what I said in the episode. So I just put it out there and keep it moving, as the grandparents would say. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of value to that. Sometimes it's best to just do something, not worry about if it was good or not, and just keep going. Like, going, like, if you're training for something. Like, sometimes it's better just to go up there and just fucking do, and however it turns out, you live with it and keep going. Not worrying about, did every rep I do, did it? Did I hit hypertrophic a hundred percent potential. Did I actually contract everything? You know, is that worrying about every episode? Oh, did I explain this enough? Oh, did I enunciate? Did I really actually talk about everything? Did I talk too much? Did I even, you know, you know, am I a fucking idiot? Like, I don't know. Who cares? You know, we think way too much about that shit. But what do I know? I'm just a good old Jack in the Beanstalk because. When you read my fairy tale, there'll be a tooth under your pillow. And you realize there's a reason why my nickname is Sabretooth. Because <laughs> I'll eat the living shit out of your neck like Army Hammer. Because I'm a cannibal who's a dad. And he is. And I played the Winklevoss twins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, you know what's funny about that whole thing? Not not the cannibal part, but his whole thing in the social network where they're like, hey, you know, we auditioned this other guy to play your twin, but we just thought we could just have you do both because you're such a great actor. And these actors actually fall for that shit. It's like, I'm playing two actors, but getting paid as one? Hmm. But they looked, but he really thought like, man, you know, this is how skilled I am. And they're like, like, yes, we get to stay under the budget because we only have to pay this dumbass one person's wage. Um, <laughs> uh, see, what do I know, though? I'm not part of a union. But yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, you know, speaking of like near my opening where I talked about, kind of alluded to the uh, press conference with Dylan Danis and Logan Paul, which apparently the fight's on the 14th. I didn't even know it was this Saturday. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't actually know where the route 
like, obviously, I know the stuff that's been happening with Dylan posting uh, Logan Paul's, I think they call her his wife now, because he did propose to her. Well, I guess his fiance. We'll see for how long. I will say, if Logan Paul loses or gets knocked out by any means, like, you know what? I think all of his crypto victims will be like, you know what, man? Save the embarrassment. Keep our money. Um, <laughs> Which he's not going to lose because, let's just be honest, he is juiced up on that prime. Um <laughs> But no, he's not going to lose because you can say what you want. But compared to Dylan, he's just... If he hits Dylan one time, it's probably over. Like, no, it will be. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I actually, you know, the thing is, is, I've been aware of Logan Paul and Jake Paul for the past couple years or so. Because I used to watch, or I should say, I used to listen to the Impulsive podcast. I don't really listen to it anymore. Not because I like just started disliking it. There's just other stuff I'm more into. But, you know, during the time, like, Logan has actually become more like, I didn't know him before. But he was actually pretty, uh, he was actually pretty, like, uh, genuine to listen to in a lot of ways. Like, it seemed like he changed compared to the previous stuff that happened. He seemed like a very self-aware person. He seemed like he was growing a lot. And that attracts people. And, but even during that time, him and Jake, they would always be mentioning this Dylan Dennis dude. And I, I don't know where it started to this day. I do not know what stint, because this was from a few years back. This isn't just some random shit. Like, where did Dylan Dennis's name come out where they had issues with them? There had to be some personal shit. Because he wasn't an active fighter that was shitting on them. So there had to be some weird shit going on. And, well, whatever it was, Dylan's like, say less. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of the fascinating thing, right? Is... How you can become likable to unlikable after the Japan incident. Rebuild your image to be likable again. And then, which I'm going to be honest about the Japan incident. It was wrong. The outcry was kind of, you know, it's understandable. You're not supposed to record people there. But at the same time. I guess it was more because he was laughing at it and kind of like, holy shit. But like just the recording part where they, well, I guess maybe in the original video, they didn't blur it out. But it seemed like that was one of those incidents where it's like, hey, this seems a little bit overreactionary to the extent of hate he was getting. The extent of like, all right, well, you're getting mad at me. I'm not the one that actually did the thing, you know. The issue is, like, they shouldn't have posted it, I guess. Someone in the editing room should be like, hey, man, I don't know about this one. But 
people may like he commit like a federal crime. It's like, look, it was wrong, but it was not something to like have to deal with for years of scrutiny and shit. But to do all that, rebuild your image and become kind of likable or at least tolerable to people. Be like, hey, you know, this person has learned from this. They've grown. And then I think the shit now exposes a lot more about the characteristics that people didn't like about that incident. But now it's such at a pompous level. And the reason why he's more comfortable being like this now again than before is because he's kind of got that fuck you money. Like you can see what Prime is evaluated at. You can see how much, essentially, money from brand deals and his own uh, company and social media has collabs with things. Like, he barely even makes YouTube videos anymore. He barely makes videos. I'm sure he's on IG and stuff. What I mean is, like, he made his first lane through Vine. Then YouTube, he transferred to YouTube, became huge on there. And he kind of stopped making videos on there that often. And he kind of started doing his own thing. Like the Pokemon car things. Crypto Zoom. Um, <laughs> and boxing and all these other things. It actually seem like, you know what? I feel like the stuff he's doing is actually stuff he's genuinely interested in. You know? And... It's like, okay, there's a part of that where it's like, you get to a point, it's like, you know what, I've done all this shit that I don't, these prank videos, these over-the-top internet shit to feel him. He's like, I don't really need to do shit. I don't want, when you get to that point where you don't need to take money or don't need to do money that you don't want to do, it's kind of like, oh, well, then I'm just not. And I think he's kind of, but now he's got that type of money where he just like the worst parts of what people didn't like about him then he has to do now. And look, he's literally a WWE wrestler. The dude's on look, he's probably on juice. There's a legend Dylan Dan's kinda of point out in like their not the pre press conference, but their little which I think this shit's corny. Like, I've never understood the boxing thing. Where they do, like, a week before, they'll have, like, a TV network or whoever. They have these two boxers sitting at a table in this dark room. Have one interviewer moderator in the middle with no one else in the room. And they just have this one-on-one talk across the table about how much they're going to fuck each other up. In this instance, it was, the whole thing was just about... <laughs> It's like, oh, you think you're doing that shit on social media is cool? And it's like, oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I really empathize with you because I know when your father died, it was like, oh, Jesus. And he went there. Um, And it's just like, I don't really get the whole point of that. I guess promotion. But when you're watching those things, 98% of the time, it feels like more it's for a show. Like, that stuff does not get me to watch a fight. I'm sorry. Like, if I'm not interested in the fight before that talk, it's not going to make me watch the fight. I'm either going to watch two people fuck each other up, or I'm not. But I get it, the whole selling, the promoting thing, whatever. But Dylan Dan's pointed out in another, he's like, dude, look at his eyes. This dude is either coked out of his mind, or he's on some of the craziest Adderall. 
And I'm like, you know what? I never thought about that. Because there is two completely, like, even if you watch or listen to his podcast now, and I've caught some clips for like, in his podcast, he's pretty relaxed. For, like, he's typically, like, kind of just laid back and, you know, his eyes are kind of squint. His, you know, he's just, like, normal, just like a normal state. It's more relaxed. But when he's, like, when he knows he's got to be, like, for the camera and for, the, like, whoever or whatever the situation is, that dude is wired, right? Maybe he just gets a good night's sleep. Maybe it's a good night's sleep plus prime. You know what? Because I got to be honest, drink some of this prime. I can see why he looks coked out of his mind. Um, <laughs> it actually tastes pretty good. I ain't going to lie. But yeah, that, but see, that's the thing is... Just stop with the prime promotion. Like it actually tastes all right. Like don't he's bringing a lot of the backlash on himself for being over the top of the promotion, trying to promote it as something, trying to compare it to other if their competitors aggressively, and then having these people scientifically dismantle what he's saying. It's like then saying they are stupid virgins. It's like. Yeah, I'm going to say Derek from More Place, More Day is not a stupid virgin. Um, he's definitely not stupid. I'm going to say he's not a virgin. Um, <laughs> with all the physiological things he knows about the body, I'm pretty sure he knows exactly how to not stay a virgin and how to maximize his capabilities. Um, but... Yeah, you know... I guess the moral of all that is, is, hey, um, it's probably going to be one of the most terrible fights ever. It's probably not going to last long. And the thing is, is all this stuff, people hate Logan, but he's going to win the fight. Anyone with half a brain could just tell, like, look, at least this guy trains. At least this guy looks like a boxer, even if he's not really, like, in terms of he physically looks like one. It's probably not the most technical and stuff like that, but compared to Dylan, yeah, it's a. Uh, and I know there's like you should never judge by looks. You never there are people with good build. It's like it's not about having a good build or bad build. One dude can punch, and the other doesn't has a history of even in his field of combat, his punches don't hurt no one. So I don't know. If anything, it might be boring if it's very conservative. But. Yeah. Logan, don't sue me. Don't garner smile wages. Which is a weird thing to take pride in. It's like you're not worried about. Doing what, like, if you feel defamation is against your girlfriend or whatever, it's over the top what he's doing fine. But, like, your goal to literally sue them for every little thing. Like, honestly, if I'm a judge hearing this stuff, I'm like, all right, you're not going to be here abusing the court system. Just suing them for every little thing, using shit leverage just because you have infinitely more money and literally saying... Because I, since I know you can't afford the legal fees for what I'd be suing you for, I'm just going to drain you dry and make your life miserable. It's like, 
if I'm a judge here now, I'd be like, bro, you know what? He can sue you. Like, I would just make her like, hey, don't make it where he could counter sue you and get all this money and he drain you. Right? But that's a weird, like, and I think that's where the unlikability, I think, has developed with him. Is what he is seeking in revenge is very, like, evil. And is very, like, his idea of making someone's life a living hell is just draining money from them because he knows if that's what someone did to him his life would be a living hell like his life's gonna be not great but i'm pretty sure there's other things that probably matter to him just as much if not more dylan doesn't whatever you want to say it doesn't really seem like he's that motivated for the money part. He may need money. He's not. He doesn't have as much money. In him. But it doesn't really seem like he's doing all this just for money. It seems like Logan's idea for everything that's important to everyone else because it's important to him is a very self-narcissist type of way of being like, hey, if you don't value money like I do, that's why you're broke. It's like not everyone cares for it like that. So, and I think that's what they don't like. Like, when you're saying stuff like your whole intention with all these lawsuits and every little thing he might break or not break is I'm just going to sue him and shit. It's like kind of a bitch-ass move. It doesn't really show character. It doesn't really show uh, your true... F- it doesn't really show what your true intent... Because it sounds like you're just doing all this stuff just to have the ability to sue someone for something. And no one's going to want to do business with you if your response to everything is just suing someone. Because you don't get your way over every little thing. So I don't know. I feel like he's going to be coming in a lawsuit with Prime. If they don't, you know, since he don't really own Prime. Um, if they're like, hey, you know what, thanks for the free promo, but we're good. You, here's your check. Before we make our big evaluation and get the fuck out. Um, uh, Oh, and he also said he was on vodka potentially. Which, hey. Respect. Haven't had vodka in a while. Maybe I should, you know, celebrate my 75th percentile raise. On that note, I am going to raise the banner. I actually sink the banner. And probably in this episode. Because I think I've hit the wall more than a 41-year-old divorced lawyer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was episode 228 of the Alpha B Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most important, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Yeah, and I'll pull up on you because you know we're getting in shape. What else are they going to play? Often be podcast with Clint Nelson, okay. And don't forget to suck some titties. I don't know if I said that 10 seconds ago, but can never say too much. So yeah, have a great day, evening, morning, brunch, crunch, honey bunches of munch on these noodles.
So yeah. Peace up, A-Town Down.